Welcome to Blind Date with a Book, the podcast where three literary matchmakers set you up with your next great read using only dating app questions like, do you consider yourself a romantic? What is your dream Saturday? If tattoos only lasted one year, what would you get? What's your go-to karaoke song? This is Blind Date with a Book. Prepare to fall in love. Welcome to Blind Date with a Book, the podcast that sets you up with your book meet cute. We're doing a special bonus episode this time with some boarding school recommendations from Megan Phillips and the whole team of us here at Blind Date with a Book. Partially, this was kicked off because I, Rachel, noticed that Megan has this friend on Instagram where she was posting about all of these boarding school novels that she was reading during the month of September. And I just had to talk to her about this project. So Megan, how long have you been reading boarding school novels during September? Um, About three years. And I will admit it started with just generally campus novels. And then this year in particular, I realized that I was trending toward boarding school specifically. And so I I veered into it. So I made it my goal to read just boarding school novels this time. I love the lean into it that you did there. <laughs> now, I know that, so you're a fiction writer. Um, besides lots of other things, I know you had a wonderful poem out this year in HAD, but your chapbook, Abstinence Only, is available through Barrel House, and it's set completely at a school. So Is there something about schools in particular that draws your interest as a fiction writer? I am one of those people who I was like, I love school and I taught for a number of years. And I think one of the things that I love as a writer about school and also as a reader about school is that it is an insular environment. There are sort of set rules, whether spoken or unspoken. And there's also sort of like a finite number of people with whom you interact. And I just love the parameters that the school creates and then all the places where um, strange things can kind of erupt in those confined spaces. Plus, I have a soft spot for teenage years, both from like a nostalgia standpoint and just I think teenage girls in particular are so interesting to to write about. And read. I love that. And I think that one of the cool things about some of the recommendations we're going to get to today goes along with that idea of setting parameters and how in other genres, that that setting of parameters helps heighten the tension of like either magic or mystery or horror. And I think that boarding schools make an excellent place to kind of play some of those themes. I can't wait to talk about these today. Before we dig in, Megan, we do always like to ask our guests if they have an indie bookstore that they love to go to. So what's your what's your indie bookstore, Megan? My indie bookstore is Pocket Books in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Excellent. Well, we'll have to go check them out. All right, so we want to get to some recommendations from all of us today. And Megan, we'd love for you to kick us off with an introduction of a book that we should start with. So the book I want to start with is called The Starboard Sea by Amber Mc- or Amber Dermont. So I have two small kids. Um, I stayed up like way too late past my bedtime finishing this book. I was just sort of propelled through this story of um, Jason Prosper who is kicked out of his prestigious boarding school after his best friend and roommate, Cal, commits suicide. He kind of goes off the rails after his friend's death, and he ends up at Bellingham Academy, which is sort of like the last chance ranch for rich kids who get kicked out of other better boarding schools. At Bellingham, Jason meets Aiden, who is sort of another misfit fish-out-of-water student at the school, and Jason and Aiden, who is is a girl, they form a really intense relationship, and sort of terrible things unfold at the the school. Um, Sailing is a huge part of this book, and it's also set in 1987 during the stock market crash. So I 
just was so immersed in um, Jason is the first person narrative in this book. And I was just so immersed in his voice, so immersed in this strange world of just incredibly wealthy New England people. And then that sort of double um, immersion in this world of boarding school, all the you know, rituals and secrets and bad behavior of extremely rich kids. And it's something that I didn't think was going to work for me, but Jason's voice and his vulnerability and his the grief that he's working through over his friend's death, these beautiful sailing metaphors. Sailing is a huge part of the book. I was just completely swept up into it. It's beautiful. It's heartbreaking. It's funny. It was just such a stellar read. That sounds excellent. What's the title one more time? The title is The Starboard Sea, which is a, a reference to sailing. And it's this, um, not giving anything away, but Cal and Jason, one of their things that they would do as friends when they were out sailing is they would think of phrases in common parlance that came from sailing. And the starboard sea is this idea of finding the right path that Cal was trying to like make happen was his phrase that he was trying to get sort of brought into common parlance. Oh, I love that. And what a good theme for teenagers, especially like trying to find that path. All right, Kristen, hit us next with your boarding school recommendation. All right. Uh, like Megan's first pick, Catherine House by Elizabeth Thomas also has a many mysterious rituals and many secrets goings on. Uh, it's a debut from 2020. And in the novel, students who are accepted to the elite Catherine House promise to cut off all their ties to the outside world while they're at the school. It's one of the kind of oaths you can't break. And at the end of the time, at the end of your time in the school, once you graduate, you're almost guaranteed to enter into this world of power and fame and wealth. So you give up your old life, but you step into an incredible life of privilege once you're done. The novel follows Inez, a young woman who really struggles to find her way in the elite academy. Uh, as you might have guessed, there's also many kind of sinister things happening here. A whole branch of students are feverishly studying something called new materials. Uh, it's never quite clear exactly what that is. And the entire school takes part in these really elaborate rituals of belonging, um, belonging to the school. And I think because there are so many, there are many, many open questions by the end of the novel, which doesn't normally bother me as a reader, but because there's a, <laughs> so much happening, I think it's more of an interesting example of a boarding school gothic rather than a completely successful novel. But it's so interesting that I had to include it anyway. I really appreciate how Thomas played with all of the tropes of this vulnerable student who feels unwelcome in elite spaces. She also has a lot to say about how trauma affects the way characters move through the world and how certain spaces might make those kinds of wounds worse. So if you're looking for something different this spooky season, I would definitely give, uh, pick it up and give it a try. All right. And that was Catherine House for Kristen's recommendation. I'm going to go next with another book that would be perfect for spooky season if you haven't picked it up yet. And it's one that I was trying to describe to Elena and Kristen the other week, and I could not remember the title. And all I could say is it's a boarding school that's trying to kill everybody. <laughs> and uh, I finally looked it up and it's the very popular uh, series by Naomi Novik. It's A Deadly Education is the first book of the trilogy. And the third book just came out recently. So I will be picking that up to finish off my experience at Schoolmance. The main character of 
a deadly education, is a magic worker who unexpectedly and undesirably works evil magic and really has no option but to do that. Um, She isn't trying to be evil, but the kinds of ways that her magic shows itself happens to be that way. She's in a boarding school environment where literally the only goal is to make it out alive. The school itself has to eat students and sort of retain their magical power in order to continue to work. It's full of monsters and cursed artifacts, and they have to learn combat magic just to keep from being sort of killed throughout the series. And her life keeps unexpectedly also being saved by this very parallel character who's consistently positive, um, who she hates. So there's this great dynamic between herself and this savior character who she really doesn't like to interact with at all. In general, it's just a fantastic experience of that very closed environment, plus magic, plus horror, and a really wry narrator on top of it all, who certainly takes action for herself um, and, and makes things happen in the book. But the fact that she can't control her magic entirely is what keeps this book really fresh for me and keeps it interesting. So that's A Deadly Education by Naomi Novik. All right, Elena, hit us with your first recommendation. I do think it's funny that um, my boarding school recommendations are divided across gender lines. Like I have a girl's book and a boy's book. So we're starting with girls for the ladies. I will say I am cheating a little because this is a book set at a summer camp, not a boarding school, but there are similar vibes. The book is called The Lightness by Emily Temple. I believe it came out in 2021. And Emily Temple, you may find her writing, her name familiar because she's written such amazing, amazing work on Lit Hub for years. So I couldn't get wait to get my hands on her debut novel. And looking back, the word that comes to mind for this book is shimmering. I just remember it being very like vibey. And I think that makes sense because it is technically about people who are trying to escape this realm and go into another. So the novel centers on a 15 year old named Olivia, whose father up and disappears when he goes on a meditation retreat. And then she, for some reason, decides that it'll be a great idea for her to follow in his footsteps and I guess try to meditate her way into transcendence. Is that possible or is that not possible? That is one of the many questions around which this book orbits. It is more than a summer camp, the the place where she goes. It's like an experiment for the girls there to try to learn to levitate. Um, So I would say it's like borderline cult. It's it's very interesting. And there are fascinating strands of spirituality and myths in the book, as well as the very, very familiar pangs and dynamics of adolescence, which also can be terrifying and a bit culty, to be honest with you. Um, It was dark, it was moody, it was atmospheric, and it it just like left me with a lot of questions in a good way. It gives you a lot to chew on. And while I was reading, honestly, I was just so happy I wasn't in high school anymore. And I was so happy that I get to experience it through the minds of very smart people like Emily Temple. So that is the lightness. I love that, Elena. I'm starting to wonder, you know, listeners who have gone to boarding schools or really elite summer camps, if you did not experience a cult or magical behavior, you should chime in and let us know because that's all we're (laughs) assuming uh, that goes on at these elite institutions. All right, Megan, we're going to kick it back to you for another good boarding school recommendation. So I think this one really dovetails well with Elena's recommendation because this book is also um, just like vibes vibes upon vibes. Um, and so my next recommendation is Picnic at Hanging Rock by Joan Lindsay. This is 
sort of a, a bedrock of Australian literature. It also <laughs> has one of my all-time favorite sort of like author stories where Joan Lindsay apparently had a dream about basically like the entire plot of this novel and wrote it in two weeks, which is bananas. But Picnic and Hanging Rock came out in 1967. And then there was, again, a very vibey kind of dreamy film made of it in 1975. But it is set in 1900 at uh, the Appleyard College for Girls, which is an elite boarding school in Queens, Australia. And what happens essentially is um, on Valentine's Day, the girls at the school and their teachers go on a picnic to the titular Hanging Rock. Three of the girls decide to go explore the sort of monolith that's, that is the Hanging Rock, that is sort of the feature, the natural feature that they're going to see. One of their teachers follows separately and the four people are never seen. And so, well, that's not entirely true, but they disappear. And um, the rest of the novel sort of deals with the repercussions of this disappearance. Um, one of the girls who stayed behind because she was in trouble um, loses her best friend in this mysterious disappearance. So you see sort of what happens with her emotional state, what happens to the school as you know, parents start pulling their daughters out of this place where these, you know, they're, they feel their children aren't safe. Um, there were other people picnicking at the rock on the same day, and you get to sort of understand their feelings as being tangential to this experience. And it is just such a sort of dreamy, creepy, strange book that I think works really well, again, going into spooky season, demonstrates like a lot of our picks, how ripe the boarding school genre is for the gothic and horror. Um, and I, I just love it. <laughs> I love it. I hope you love it too. And then you get to watch the very cool, very trippy film. And I guess the there's also a mini series that's on Amazon that you can watch. I love that. I can't remember the the last piece of Australian literature I read that wasn't um, like Big Little Lies. And that's a horrible thing. We should be reading more Australian literature. That sounds like a great place to start. This isn't even the bonus one that I was going to jokingly say, and it's not, okay, so she's not Australian, she's from New Zealand, but Eleanor Catton, um, who wrote The Luminaries, her first novel, The Rehearsal, is set in a, an exclusive, like, arts high school, so it's not a boarding school, it's a high school, but if you're into um, arts high school books, which I know Rachel is. Oh, I'm obsessed with arts high school books, and <laughs> it's, like, 100% my vibe. <laughs> That's a really fantastic one to check out. Um, that's called The Rehearsal Eleanor. Okay, Kristen, hit us with your next recommendation. All right. Uh, my second recommendation is by friend of the pod, Adrian Selb. It's her second novel, Invitation to a Bonfire. And it's another book that turns boarding school storylines on their head. It follows an orphan named Zoya, who winds up at the Dunn School, an all-girls school in New Jersey, where she's mercilessly teased. When she graduates, she works in the school greenhouse, and the teasing continues. So this book does a really incredible job of exploring class relationships between Zoya and her classmates, or ultimately her former classmates. So when a new English professor named Lev Orlov comes to town, Zoya is smitten. Unfortunately, the professor is already married to Vera, who has tight control over his literary career and output. 
What I really love about this novel, though, is the way that it's told. Zoya's first-person account is interspersed with fictional documents, as well as letters from Lev to Vera. So it kind of swerves from a boarding school building's roman to a thriller of the best kind. Plus, there are all sorts of literary references to the work of Nabokov through the characters of Lev and Vera. You really don't need to know anything about Nabokov's work to enjoy this novel, but it's a delicious plus. That is Invitation to a bonfire by adrian silt that sounds so amazing Kristen. um i'm gonna jump into a very different kind of recommendation for my second recommendation and this is one that is a follow-up a kind of read-along a different kind of british magic boarding school book that you could read alongside instead of um before after whatever the harry potter series whatever your feelings may be about that one I discovered Diana Wynne-Jones in high school, and it was literally life-changing to me. The first books that I read of hers were the Crestomancy series, and that's where I would recommend that you start too. So it's, it's kind of cheating for me to say, read the whole darn series, but she really gets to the boarding school-esque pieces in books two and three, and the books are kind of like mini novellas. Usually they're packaged to novellas to a volume. So you have to pick up books one and two to get both of these. But the second book, which is called The Lives of Christopher Chant, follows the first castromancy that you really meet in the book. A castromancy is a magician who is able to travel between worlds. And there are many worlds and they are the only type of magician that can oversee and visit all of them. So when we meet Christopher Chant, he doesn't know he has this ability. Um, and he also doesn't understand the power that comes with the, the many lives that he has here. In part of the book, he is leaving his boarding school at nighttime in order to travel to these other worlds. And it's such a beautiful picture that Diana Wynne Jones makes of like this hole in the corner of his room that he walks through that I can just immediately see myself there in his room. A more specifically boarding school based book is in a world of castromancy that is more like our own where witches have been traditionally burned at the stake and there's a law against witches. And so this is a more contemporary time period where someone in this boarding school finds a note that says someone in this class is a witch and a literal witch hunt has to go down. The main character that we're following is starting to fear that they might be the witch and they didn't know it. So I would just say that if you haven't read a Diana Wynne Jones book, they are incredibly immersive, so smart, so funny, so interesting. And she really does draw you into that world. And you really could share this book for, for anybody in your life who's like, oh, I'd say like sixth grade reading level and up. Um, and have a really wonderful time enjoying those books together. All right, Elena, hit us with your pick. First of all, I am just so entranced by the description of the book you just, like, I'm ready to buy it. I was like wandering around New York being like, all right, what book am I going to choose? I was sort of like stumped. And then um, in New York, they have like these people who put out tables and they put out books on the side of the street. And I saw this cover and I was like, oh my God, that's the book. I love this book. So Thank you to whoever did that and for giving me the spark of an idea. With my next pick, we are venturing over the pond to Dublin into the strange and fascinating world of boys' boarding schools. 
a place that I've never been to other than inside of a book. I love books that are about kids and childhood, but written for adults. It's a tough act to pull off. And this book did it and then some. It's jam-packed with characters and schemes and sort of the idea of days without a sense of real time, except there is a kernel of mortality around which the whole book orbits. Okay, so I'm going to have to say the title now. And the reason I've been delaying is because the title kind of gives away a big plot point. It is called Skippy Dies by Paul Murray. And as the title suggests, a main character named Skippy dies on the first page. He's like a I think a 14 year old boy and he dies during a donut eating contest which is quite tragic the book tracks the lead up to and the fallout from skippy's death and as i said it is tragic but the book itself isn't tragic at least not only there are over 20 points of view including skippy's classmates his big crush the bully there are students teachers and parents and it clocks in at over 600 pages i'm not sure if anybody else but paul murray could have written this book it is manages to be like hilarious like I feel like if you like the sandlot or if you liked stand by me or you sort of like long for that freedom of childhood almost this is absolutely the book for you it's funny and Ryan's sad and it's award-winning for a reason it came out in 2010 and it is worth reading in 2022 just as worth reading now that is Skippy Dies by Paul Murray I am entranced <laughs> I feel like I need to make time in my schedule to read a 600 page book now um, we'll have to find that. All right. Bonus round time. So go ahead and jump in with any final bonus recommendations, not with as long of a blurb, but that we should go check out if we love boarding school novels. Megan, you want to hit us with some? Sure. Um, a couple that I read this month that I enthusiastically recommend. I read at Briarwood School for Girls, which is a Michael Knight, which is just extremely charming and also features one of my sort of most favorite things. Disney's America theme park that never happened, but was going to be in uh, the middle of Virginia and about American history. Another book that I enthusiastically recommend that I just finished that I'm going to have to look up is <laughs> so the Yonalasi Writing Camp for Girls. I just finished it. It was my last book of the month. Um, it is set in a, it sounds like a writing camp. It's actually a boarding school. That's a key plot point. It is set during the Great Depression in North Carolina. And it is kind of like part boarding school book, part sort of mystery. The main character is sent to the boarding school because she has done something terrible that has resulted, or that's what she says. She's done something that has resulted in sort of a collective family tragedy. And as the book unfolds, you sort of learn what happened, why she's at the camp. And then I would also enthusiastically recommend and say that this is not maybe, maybe kind of borderline not a boarding school novel, but it's so much fun is Plain Mad Heroines by Emily M. Danforth, which is like a big, chunky, gothic novel. It is sapphic. It is funny. It is meta. It's got bees. Um, it's just fabulous. <laughs> it does have these. <laughs> it is so fun. It's a great, again, sort of like spooky season crossover boarding school gothic novel that I just love the heck out of. Um, so those would be my bonus picks. Does anyone else on the panel have one they want to toss in? 
The two books that I would also like to give a shout out to is number one, Never Let Me Go by Kazuo Ishiguro, because that is Uh, not quite a boarding school novel, but it kind of is. And I almost don't even want to say anything. Like if you're listening to this podcast and you've managed to go this far without knowing what this book is about, just go treat yourself. Just don't read anything. Don't pass go. I feel like I personally would not want to have this book spoiled by a synopsis. So just know it fits into this category. And then the other book um, that really stayed with me, but it's a very upsetting read. And like, I would recommend having some rom-coms on hand or something like while you're reading it is My Dark Vanessa by Kate Russell. That's also set at a boarding school. And it's about a predatory relationship that a 15 year old girl has with her professor and then how she comes to terms with it later. I mean, I was like very pulled in and very upset by the book. I got nightmares and everything. So uh, which to me means the book worked. But it was just like, you know, when you're thinking of a boarding school, these kids are alone. And I just, you got that feeling of loneliness and um, how they're at the mercy, I guess, of the adults who are around them and what happens when those relationships get really twisted and warped. I think a lot of our books have to do with kids with kids. And then this one like takes the kids and adults in a unfortunate direction, but it does happen. So those are my two bonus picks. For a good positive bonus pick (laughs) for a relationship between the staff at a boarding school and the students, I would say True Biz by Sarah Novick, which is set at a deaf boarding school. And not only is it just a wonderfully plotted book that switches between these multiple perspectives of the students and the faculty at this boarding school and sort of the administrators, and it's it's like a gripping read. Um, it's also just like serenely interesting to read um, this book with your eyes because of the included parts that have um, illustrated sign language. And it's a really great way to learn more about deaf culture that I hadn't known before. So I'll, I'm usually an audiobook listener. I would recommend the paper copy for this particular one. So you can fully take in all of the visual elements of this book. Kristen, any bonus recs? I was just Googling the one that I thought of because I thought that it was college, but it's not. Hooray. Um, It is in the dark, uh, you know, dark academia realm, which is not a a kind of genre or I guess a new marketing category that I am particularly excited by necessarily. But this book really, really drew me in because the writing is so incredible. It's called The World Cannot Give by Tara Isabella Burton. She wrote uh, Social Creature. And it's about a young girl who arrives at this academy in Maine. And she becomes really entranced by the girl who is leading the choir, who's like extremely severe and really into practicing choir. And like, there's kind of a cult of personality around her. Uh, Again, gorgeous writing, lots of atmosphere. It's about uh, singing and like, what else do you need, you know? Oh my gosh. I think we've all exploded our TBRs and we're going to be reading about uh, boarding schools for quite a while now. As we close up today, we should add one more book to your TBR and that would be Abstinence Only, which is Megan Phillips' wonderful chat book about sex education in a high school. And it is, if you haven't read uh, Megan's writing before, nobody really does it like her. Um, She does with 10 words what most writers need 54 and it's electric and funny and you can pick that ebook up of abstinence only for free from barrel house so make sure to check out their website 
There are no more paper copies available, but I have one, but you can have the ebook copy for yourself. Megan, where else can we find you on the internet? Oh, sure. Um, I have a website, which is my, my name, Megan, uh, dash Phillips.com. And then I am on Twitter and Instagram at M both, both handles, both places. Excellent. All right. Elena, where can we find you on the internet? You can find me at, at Elena wonders on both Twitter and Instagram. And how about you, Kristen, where can we find you? You can find me on Twitter at, at paper alphabet, P A P E R alphabet. And you can find me at R M McKenney, M C K E N N Y on Twitter and at Rachel Mans McKenney on Instagram. You can find all of the books that we recommended today in our show notes, and we hope that you'll purchase them from your local independent bookstore. You can also find our podcast at at bookmeetcute on Twitter and Instagram. And we hope you will wait around for our new regular season starting sometime in the new year. Until then, we will bring you some more wonderful bonus episodes. Contact us and let us know all the books that you are falling in love with. Thanks for listening to Blind Date with a Book. Our show is produced and co-hosted by Kristen Evans, Rachel Mance-McKenney, and Elena Nicolau. Our showrunner is Rachel Mance McKenney, and our sound editor is Elena Nicolau. Kristen Evans handles web design and newsletter production. Our theme music was written by Alex Bozzi, and our logo was designed by Chelsea Hill. If you like today's show, please subscribe, rate, and review Blind Date with a Book on Apple Podcasts. Ratings make it even easier for other listeners to find us and join the fun. We'll be back in two weeks with a new guest and more books to recommend. Until then, we hope you're falling for the next book on your TBR pile, whatever it might be.